Welcome to Letters to Women, a podcast where we explore and embrace what the feminine genius means in our daily, ordinary lives as Catholic women. I'm Chloe Langer, and in today's episode, I'm sitting down with Emily Lehman, and we're exploring the historical background surrounding the idea that we shouldn't care about what we wear as women. This conversation made me think back to my undergrad days when I was studying history, and it's so important to remember that the reality of our current situation as Catholic women doesn't exist in a bubble that there are so many historical events and religious schools of thought that have impacted the way we think today. I cannot wait to share this episode with you. If you've believed the lie that the right outfit doesn't matter, or you've beat yourself up for caring about what you look like, sister, this letter is for you. We're welcoming to the podcast Emily Lehman, who is an associate editor at Verily Magazine. And Verily doesn't tell a woman how she's supposed to be, but instead empowers her to be who she is. Emily, welcome to Letters to Women. It's so good to have you on the show. Thanks. I'm glad to be here. So today we're going to be having a conversation about why the search for the right outfit matters. And we're going to be talking about the historical background surrounding this idea that we shouldn't care about our clothing as women and talk about the work that you do at Verily. But to get us started, Emily, can you tell us about your story as a Catholic woman? Well, I like to claim being a convert because I was eight years old when my whole family was received into the church. So I was at the age of reason, so I sort of count myself as a convert. Um, yeah, so after that, I we had been we had been very serious Christians before that, and had kind of come to a realization of the historical truth of the church and the beauty of the church. And then I went straight into Catholic school um, and was there from sixth to twelfth grade, which was awesome. Um, and sort of like learns sort of <laughs> learns the Hail Mary, all of that great stuff and learned a lot about like had a really solid theological background in grade school that I'm really thankful for. And then I think my faith really grew when I went to college. I went to Hillsdale College in Michigan and met a lot of different people from different denominations or even without a faith who really were asking me a lot of questions about Catholicism. And it really just gave me an opportunity to really deepen my relationship with Catholicism and my spirituality and kind of my sense of like how to relate to people and other with other backgrounds. So um, that was a really formative experience. And then from there, I went to the Augustine Institute in Denver to get my master's degree in theology. And I'm actually entering a PhD program this fall to study at the University of St. Andrews. And I'm getting my PhD in theology, the imagination and the arts. Oh, so. wow. That's a beautiful combination. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's really exciting. And I think it really ties well into what I do at Verily because, you know, there's a lot of this push toward integration that I think is a really beautiful way to approach theology is very much like Verily wants to help women be integrated, to help them sort of see their life as a whole. Um, and so I just see all of these things as very connected. Yeah, uh, especially with my faith. Yeah, I, one of the reasons that I love reading Verily is that piece of integration where I think in a lot of women's magazines and websites, there's very much this idea that everything's kind of in a bucket. Like, here's the fashion bucket. Here's the relationship bucket. But what I love about Verily, it's very much there's threads that wind through all of those stories and they're very integrated within each of those categories. Absolutely. Yeah, it's I think it's really a temptation to and I think a tendency kind of of our of uh, the pressures of, you know, society and everything to kind of forces into these separate roles and really say, okay, your role as a mother doesn't have to relate to your role as a grad student or as a teacher or as someone who's working. And we just, 
don't think that really makes sense. Like you need to address the whole woman and to be realize how all of these things affect one another. So let's dive deeper into an article that you recently wrote for Verily called Why the Search for the Right Outfit Matters. And if, if listeners haven't read this article, I'm going to plug it in the show notes. But in this piece, you talk about your memories about shopping for an eighth grade graduation outfit. Tell me about the significance of special and memorable outfits and how they play a role in your story. So I think like a lot of women, I'm able to look back on my life and I remember what I wore for various occasions. I wouldn't say that I, you know, grew up as super interested in clothes. I like to joke that if if my mom and my sister had let me, I would have just always worn ripped jeans and uh, (laughs) t-shirts and never cut my hair. But like even that would have been, I love having long hair. I love sort of feeling free. Like this desire to express myself was really there very young. But as obviously I got a little older and eighth grade, I think eighth grade graduation really was this turning point for me, which is why it came to mind when I was writing was I got this, my mom and I were looking for the perfect dress because everyone thinks you want a dress for graduation. We couldn't find one, but like piece by piece, we got this outfit. We had sort of like this cream colored skirt and a really soft top and we got the jewelry and the shoes. And I remember having this feeling of, it really was again, that theme of like integration of like here I am, this is who I am, and really feeling like I was communicating to the world, I'm becoming an adult woman, and that's such an awkward age. Um, And I think it was really a gift from my mom, in a way, just to, like, have this opportunity to see myself as, like, okay, every outfit might always be this coherent, but this is what we're going for. And so when I think back to, like, I have an interview outfit that I've that has never failed me. I have my a lot of outfits I've worn to weddings. Uh, obviously, like the whole theme of like a bridesmaid dress. Like I was in in my college roommate's wedding, and we all had bridesmaid dresses that were all the same color, but they were different styles. But they were all floor length, and I just remember the feeling of like the dignity of that dress and seeing all the women around me both expressing their own kind of identities through the different styles they'd chosen, but really just like all of us sort of saying this is a beautiful and solemn occasion. Uh, just it really sticks with you when you look back on your life. I love that. I think you're totally right that I think most women have memories where details stick out and the things that have imprinted themselves is the memory of what we're wearing. I remember my confirmation dress, my wedding dress. Yeah, the, right. maybe a, a date outfit or a weekend or girl's trip that went really well. And it's just really beautiful to be able to connect that with something tangible, which makes sense, I think, especially as Catholic women, because we believe in a, in a faith that's incarnate and it's tangible right. and it's and it's touchable. And so I think that makes a ton of sense for the reflection piece of, of memories. Okay, so we have this, the reality that for many of us, we can, we have probably at least one outfit that we we can think of and, and attach it to a memory that we hold dear. But we also have kind of this fighting idea from maybe women around us or from the culture, or maybe we just perceived it that we as women shouldn't care what we are wearing or about our clothing. And I'd love to hear more about the historical role that different religious schools of thought have played into this conversation throughout history. Yeah, absolutely. So this was something that really blew my mind when I was researching for this article. Because I had sort of a sense of like, there is a little bit of an American culture that people do care very strongly about how they look, but it isn't cool to say that. (laughs) Like you, you really are expected to kind of like both be dressed effortlessly and perfectly, but there's also kind of a dismissing of people who care about clothes in a way that I was just talking to a friend who um, did fashion in Paris and he was talking about how the like the Parisians will critique your outfit, you know, like when you're out on the street and it is like, 
we're all in this common pursuit of a good outfit being put together and the little old lady will be like that thing didn't work i see what you're trying to do you know <laughs> and it's so funny but there really isn't i just think the clothes have the same effect on us in american culture but we just don't acknowledge it so a line i have in the piece is just like it's not you don't really want to show up at work on monday morning and tell your coworkers that you're shopping all weekend like it's perceived as like I don't know, you're like legally blonde or like all of these <laughs> films that are portraying like the shallow woman who's shopping. And what I didn't realize was how historically rooted that is. So it goes, I think, all the way back to um, really a lot of the, there were a lot of beautiful things about the Protestant sects that were founding America or the early colonial sects. But a lot of them had a strong emphasis on sort of, I think it's called plain clothes. Yeah. Um, yeah, plain dress. And so, for example, Quakers, this is a Quaker practice, and but you can see it in modern texts like the Amish or the Mennonites, where you see they have sort of like those plain dresses. I personally think they're very beautiful now. Um, and I, I'm sure they were very beautiful then, but there is this ethos of like, especially drawing, I think, from particular biblical passages. God doesn't want you to care about clothes. God doesn't want you to care about what you look like. God wants you to care about what's internal. And while I think there's something important to that, I do think that, especially as Catholics, we just have a more integrated perspective. Like when you're going to Mass and the priest has beautiful vestments and you see the incense and you see the stained glass, you then are, your mind is raised to God. It's not something that's just like internal to you. So I think that is a little bit of a theological difference that I think has trickled down into mainstream American culture. And then when America was going through the two world wars and the depression, there really was pretty explicit. I don't know if you've ever read the Molly book. Yes, the that's exactly what book. I was thinking of. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So there are all, there were all these restrictions. This was my first encounter with this as a child was where I think she, she gets her hair curled and that's a big luxury that that no one thinks is acceptable. And there are various clothing restrictions um, because everyone was trying to win the war. So there actually are things like signs that say, well, this was actually a British sign that says to dress extravagantly in wartime is worse than bad form. It is unpatriotic. So and which at the time it was, you know, you're trying to save all of those resources. But I think that all of those things trickled down to like, this is a little bit religiously suspect, this is a little bit politically suspect, to the point where we have a skepticism about caring about clothes, that no, none of those things really apply anymore. You know, like most people don't really subscribe to that interpretation of scripture. Most people don't, <laughs> you know, we're not going through those same problems anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love how you tie it back to that origin or the root of the Puritan culture, because I think that's so prevalent in today's society still, like the root of that or the ide ideologies behind Puritan culture. But I don't think we recognize it at first glance. Right, mm -hmm. right. And we think a lot about the the kind of like work the Protestant work ethic. And I think especially Catholics are very aware of that. Like, okay, thinking of ourselves as our work, thinking of ourselves as we should be working all the time or we're not worthy of life in some way. We know that's unhealthy, but I think we forget how much more trickles down. I have a history professor who I loved going into his office because he had this little decorative piggy bank that sat at the top of his bookshelf. And it said, every time an American looks in the mirror, a Puritan looks back. And I always will remember <laughs> that. And it's just, I just loved reading this article because it, it was just that, again, like it's just yet another piece um, with no pun intended of, of our, <laughs> yeah, of our culture that's tied into and rooted in 
in Puritan and the sects that came out of that religion. Um, there's yeah. different theologies yeah. and understanding. Man, I love it because it's just, again, we're back to this piece of integration that there's a reason that we think the way we do. Um, and it's right. not like we just woke up, you know, 20 years ago and started thinking about whether women should care about their clothes or not. Right. And we don't have to like blame ourselves. Like all of these attitudes that are trickling down, they're trickling down very naturally. But then if you turn around and really look at them, you can kind of, I think, set them aside a little more freely. So in the article, you go on and you talk about how really one antidote to combating these ideas that clothing doesn't matter is recognizing that our clothing is a form of communication. So how does realizing that clothing is communication impact the way that we get dressed in the morning and help us kind of leave behind this idea that the right outfit doesn't matter. Yeah. So I think that was a really big moment for me personally that I was realizing as this is really what gave rise to the piece initially was when I read, so I read this book called change your clothes, change your life mm-hmm. by George Brescia. And he just makes the very simple point that everything we wear makes some kind of a statement. And when I read that, I was like, of course, like this makes sense, but I never thought about it because he really, he really teases it out for you. He's like, look, if you go out in a ripped t-shirt and sweatpants, you are stating something. You might be stating, I don't care what other people think about me, but that still is a statement. And I think um, really just that can change the way that you think about getting dressed in the morning not in terms of putting a lot of pressure on yourself, but in terms of just sort of standing in front of the mirror and saying, okay, what do I want to say today? What am I trying to communicate? Another book that actually didn't make it into the piece is called Wife Dressing. And I think it's by Anne Fogarty. And she, uh, it's, a, it's a really funny, a little bit outdated book. I wouldn't recommend everything in it. But um <laughs> But her, she, she has a great, it's, it's hilariously down to earth. I think it's written in the fifties and she's really into fashion. And she says, if you're having a bad day, you wear sad clothes. Like you can wear sad clothes. You are going to look, you know, garish if you are feeling sad, but you make yourself wear a yellow dress. She's like, just lean into it. Just wear your dramatic black shirts and your, <laughs> you know, and I just love that because then you really are communicating something rather than trying to force yourself into a role. Yes. I love that because I think there is kind of the temptation to dress as in, in a way, in some ways that you assume that people want to perceive you instead of really right. communicating who you are and what you're going through that day. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I think especially with, with Instagram or Pinterest a, a couple of years back, but it's definitely still, still relevant is this idea that potentially, you know, when a trend comes along, style is kind of a one size fits all that anyone can, can wear anything. Why should we instead start digging to discover what we as as women and individuals want to communicate about who we are through our wardrobe? Yeah. I mean, I think that the starting point is that same thing we were talking about before, which is there's no need to try to fit yourself into whatever everyone else is wearing, whatever everyone else wants to see you wearing. I find that often the really trendy stuff doesn't look good on most people. It looks good on a few people, (laughs) but then when everyone wears it, everyone's not necessarily like expressing who they are. I'm torn because that does come off as like a very condemning of trends. I actually think trends can be really good, Mm -hmm. but something that especially like the fashion section at Verily, we try to do often is to kind of give people a spin on what they personally, they personally could incorporate, say this 
this trend of peasant blouses or this trend or like if you want to wear more vintage clothes here's a variety of ways you can do that rather than kind of forcing yourself to do thing because you just you'll spend a lot of money <laughs> you'll spend a lot of money on clothes that you don't like and there is something to the Marie Kondo like wear stuff that that sparks joy for you and the chances that whatever is on this front rack at H&M because it's exactly on trend right now that it will all spark joy for you it's fairly low if it does then great but <laughs> but it um I think that it is worthwhile to kind of let go of being exactly what everyone else is looking for because if you're exactly what you're looking for then you are able to communicate I I've noticed that like one time I was at a wedding and one of my friends had gotten married and his wife dressed like she had walked out of an anthropology catalog and I never met her before but I came up to her and I was like I want to be your friend because you are dressing in this way that's artsy and cool and interesting and she was artsy and cool and interesting um so it's it's a neat opportunity I think also to just make human connections yes I love that that way you phrase that too right she dressed like she was artsy and interesting and creative and it's because she was it's because she was communicating exactly who she was and then just that draw of personality and being able to say you know to see a woman and see her authenticity and her integrated lifestyle in is impacting the way that she tells her story through her dress that's incredibly attractive as friendship as yeah as other women and in, in learning how to tell your own story uh, through your clothes. that's so beautiful okay so we've talked a lot about how the way we dress communicates something to those around us but it also impacts the way we see ourselves so can we dig into that a little bit more we've all heard the saying the dress for the test saying like if you if you dress up you rise to the occasion i played competitive piano growing up and when you arrive at a concert and you are there and you are dressed well, you do kind of believe in your role, the, your role as this character. You're like, I am the person who will go up and perform for these people. And I think that is, I think that is really important. But I also think I actually was just starting before we chatted the uh, episode of your podcast with Nicole Caruso about believing that we are worthy of wearing the clothes in our closet and I think that's really essential especially to a certain degree for Catholic women who I think it's really a temptation that sneaks in to say you know because Catholicism is so focused on growth you know like you go to confession and you go to the sacraments and you're trying to get better and better and you're trying to become a saint and I think sometimes the lie sneaks in that you're not good enough yet you know, at some point you'll be good enough to do this thing or be this person. At some point you will be the artsy cool girl that you've seen, you know, across the table, but you're not her yet. And I think this way of dressing where you say, okay, I'm going to communicate to myself, like I'm going to start dressing like a graphic designer. Someday I want to be a graphic designer. So I'm going to dress the way that I picture myself dressing if I really had arrived at that point. And that's a big theme in George Brush's book. And in Anushka Reese's book as well that I mentioned uh, in the article, but hasn't come up yet, which is called The Curated Closet, about just dressing for the life that you want. And then the life that you want, to a certain degree, will come to you, not in a sense, some sort of like magical thinking way, but in a way of like, if you treat yourself as worthy of what you're going for, then you will rise to the occasion and day after day, you will do the graphic design. You will work on your photography business if you want to be a photographer you know if you dress you know if you dress like a teacher or a librarian or whatever 
uh, you're hoping to be, I think you do start believing it more than if you sort of force yourself to earn it. You said, I'm going to sit here in my sweatpants until I'm good enough at being a photographer to really feel like I can dress that way. Yeah. I think that's speaking so beautifully also into this idea of self-care. Um, and I think mm-hmm, really mm-hmm. the root of why I think specifically Catholic women struggle with self-care, this idea that I'm not good enough or this season, not yet, maybe later when fill in the blank happens and instead recognizing that no, the Catholic church teaches that you're, you're worthy and that you don't have to earn your worthiness here. It's not. And I think that's, oh man, it's just tying all the threads back into this idea that where we're coming from is this Protestant idea that we have to, we have to prove Mm -hmm. it. We have to prove it and, and prove that we have a place at the table. And the reality is, is that you belong here and what you do matters and that you're worthy of good taking care of yourself because you're a daughter of God. Yeah, absolutely. Do you have any tips for defining our own personal style. When I was in, in the episode with Nicole, we talk about telling the, your story through your clothing. But I think sometimes that that definition of our own style can be really intimidating, especially when we're comparing ourselves to other women. So how would you recommend going about defining that personal style? Oh gosh, Chloe, you got, <laughs> I think that I, it was funny that you were so interested in this article and I really appreciate it. And as I was writing it, it was really just my personal journey of mm. trying to figure out why I hated all of my clothes. <laughs> <laughs> and I honestly can't tell you that I've moved along a lot. Um, I have found, so I'm sort of in the process right now of trying to figure this out to kind of, I think that the theory is in place. I, but I think that, so a really practical thing is Anushka Reese's book, The Curated Closet, really does walk you through this process step by step. And the process involves like kind of envisioning what you're looking for and then really just super practically that she will just say, okay, go to the store and try on, you know, 16 different pieces in the dressing room, just mm-hmm. show up and do it. And obviously because of COVID that's harder, but sure. um, I have had some success with ordering stuff online that kind of thing. Yeah. So she's, she's really helpful on that. The George Brescia book is more of the principles of the thing, and he does fall into something that I find is very common, where he gives you a list of things, like get a pencil skirt, get a da-da-da. And I finally arrived at a point of like, I don't like pencil skirts. I never want to wear a pencil skirt again, and I don't have to. you know. And so I think the biggest thing that I've learned is sort of trusting my gut and things. And do you know, you might have to have that best friend in your life. I had a best friend who just said, you don't like pencil skirts. You don't have to wear them. It doesn't matter if they look good on you. It doesn't matter if they're appropriate for lots of work situations. You know, you can get through the rest of your life on a nice tapered black pants and you'll be fine. You know, that it's sort of questioning like the automatic reactions, the things that I've had the most success with so far and kind of the revamping of my wardrobe is I'll see something and I'll say, wow, that's really pretty, but I never wear things like that. And then I say, well, you know, my mind is open right now. I'll just try it on. And I've been surprised by the things that I really love. There's this aspect of freedom there, right? Like this freedom of mm-hmm. walking away from the list, this freedom of trying something that you didn't think that you would like just, just to see and being able to be open to to liking it, integrating it into a, a wardrobe, even if you didn't expect to walk away with that piece too. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. Okay. So this article is just one of many that you have written, and I'm sure one of even more that you have edited over at Verily. So where can listeners find more about you? And then what will they find over at Verily Magazine online? 
Well, I'm not on a lot of social media, <laughs> but so actually the best place to find me is probably at Verily. Uh, so it's verilymag.com. Um, we're publishing every weekday uh, with women's lifestyle articles. We have a roundup of the news from the week at the end of the week. And there's also a variety of great so we have a daily email. We also have a weekly email. That's our roundup of the articles from the week. If you're just busy and you want to sit down on a Saturday morning with a cup of coffee. Um, so all of those signups you can find on verilymag.com. And then our reader subscription is called Verily Yours. And there's a lot more kind of practical notes in Verily Yours. So we have a helping you with your career email called Verily Work. We have a meal planning email called Verily Table, which is really, it's been hugely helpful because Laura, who is a phenomenon um, <laughs> behind the scenes at Verily, tries every recipe oh, wow. that wasn't submitted by, uh, by a reader uh, for Verily Table. So you know the recipe is going to work well. People send in, you know, this is what I tried. I switched out, you know, the bro broccoli for some kale and it worked great. So it really feels like you're getting recipes from your girlfriends. Yeah. So, and then there's um, Verily Home, which has to do with home design. So there's a lot of kind of practical tips. There's also a financial newsletter called Verily Sense. So that's kind of the practical side of Verily. Um, obviously, we have a lot of cultural long forms like the one that I wrote. And then some practice. We're not all <laughs> super heavy. So. <laughs> so you will not be deluged by uh, heavy content when you are reading uh, part of the theory behind Verily, well, the real um, slogan is less of who you should be more of who you are. So it's meant to be building you up, respecting you as a woman who has thoughts and has opinions and has feelings and things to work through. Um, and who also, you know, might want to break, might want to sit down with a cup of coffee and read through a roundup of beautiful Instagram accounts. We're also on Instagram at Verily Mag. And I think that's everywhere you can find us at the moment we're on pinterest if you do pinterest i actually do a lot of pinterest <laughs> no same i love verily's pinterest yeah. account oh it's wonderful it's so cute <laughs> oh i've loved to watching verily transform this i i love the verily yours and just how personalized that is and how it dives really deep into so many different areas of life just in a really beautiful tangible way it's so good yeah it's very personal i really appreciate that about it and they're now i don't know if you've seen this but they're all um if you click the members portal on the normal Verily website, you can see all of the content from Verily Yours organized, which is super handy, especially for recipes. <laughs> yes. Then you can go pull back and do some meal planning. It's so good. Yeah. That's awesome. Emily, the last question that I ask um, guests who come on the show as we talk about exploring what it, what it means to live out this feminine genius, this idea that the women are called uniquely back to the Lord's heart is this question. How do you live out the feminine genius? especially as a woman encouraging other women to recognize the beauty of a well-chosen outfit and the beauty found in, in discovering who they are. Something that's very beautiful, um, especially when JP2 is talking about the feminine genius, is just the affirmation of the other's identity. You know, he says like, thank you women who are mothers. Thank you women who are working. Thank you. You know, and then he just says, thank you women for being women. And I think that that's something that in my work at Verily, when I'm thinking about even just getting dressed in the morning, all of these things, it has to do with kind of affirming other people and who they are, because it's amazing how much other people grow when you just say, hey, you know, I think you are good enough to wear this outfit. I think you are, you know, I think you are going to do this great thing with your business or your home life or your marriage. So I think that's something that I've been uh, sort of reflecting on a lot is just that experience of 
taking every opportunity to affirm the other person's identity and then seeing them grow into that. Because I think we also, when we're going through our own lives, feeling unsure about ourselves, we forget that other people who appear to have it all together also are wondering about their own identities. And if you say, hey, you know, I love that dinner that you made when I came to your house. It was really delicious. That outfit that you put together, all the work that you've been doing, I've seen you doing that. And I affirm you in that. I think it just, it really has borne a lot of fruit in my life recently. And I've really been reflecting on it a lot. I love that, that gift of being able to see the other as other and recognize the, the inherent dignity that they have. Especially, I think, when it's easy to kind of miss that when we glance at ourselves and look at ourselves, but to have it affirmed from someone who's looking at us as a friend and as someone who's trusted in our life is just really beautiful and such a gift. Emily, thanks so much for coming on the show, for sharing your story, for sharing this article and digging deeper into it with us and for sharing the work that Verily does. This has been such a fun conversation. Yeah, thank you so much, Chloe. This has been awesome. I really appreciate the chance to come on. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Letters to Women. Head over to my blog, oldfashionedgirlblog.com, and you'll find the links to everything we mentioned in today's episode, including Emily's article on Verily, Why the Search for the Right Outfit Matters. If you're looking for good, wholesome content, I highly recommend the work that Verily is doing. So if this is the first time that you're hearing about their mission, go check them out. If you have a spare minute, it would mean the world to me if you'd rate and review Letters to Women over in iTunes. I love reading your thoughts. And reviews not only help me shape the content that I produce for this show, but they also help other women discover our conversations about the feminine genius. And if you know a friend who would love this episode, maybe she's a history nerd like me, maybe you've heard her critiquing the fashion industry right and rightly so, especially when it comes to fast fashion, maybe you could send this episode her way and continue that conversation with her. That is all I have for this week's episode. Make sure you're subscribed to Letters to Women wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss the latest episodes, including the next episode of Letters to Women, where my guests and I are going to be exploring canon law, joy, and what it means to find direction in your life. Until next time, be not afraid.